Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. This week, Patricia is sharing an article with us, so I'm curious to hear what you're going to talk about today. So I'm going to talk about office housework. So office housework is um, basically like the little things that you have to do around the office that are not related to your job, like you know, organizing parties or cleaning up communal spaces, things like that. So it's all about that concept, first time it's been studied, and um, gender, so, and Mm. burnout and promotion. So there's a lot of stuff in here, but generally speaking, we find out that, shocking, women do more of this. Mm. Um, But surprisingly, they didn't find a burnout issue. So that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. And I'd love to hear more about what their thoughts are about why that is the case. Um, So that is very intriguing. Happy we're going to be talking about that very important topic. Um, Before we dive into office housework, um, how are things going around your house? Things are pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Trying to think if there's anything interesting to tell. Not really. I mean, still in... COVID land, so not doing a ton that's exciting. We actually did go to a couple wineries this weekend, though, which are like the perfect COVID getaway because you're outside. You can easily be far away from people. So we did like two little wine tastings, which was nice. So I I was like so excited. I can't even tell you. Danny was laughing at me all morning because I'm sitting there like having uh we were sat outside like a cafe before we went wine tasting which is probably good to have some food prior to drinking yes um so we're this is my first meal like at a venue yeah since COVID hit like I had not gone to restaurants or anything like that and this wasn't really even a restaurant it was like we picked up something we sat on a picnic table outside but I was so ridiculously giddy. (laughs) (laughs) So Danny was like, oh my gosh, you are way too excited to be out of the house. And I was like, I can't, I have, I have a donut that somebody else made. (laughs) I'm sitting outside and it was just so exciting. (laughs) And I'm going to go to a winery and the people there are not going to be the people that live in my house either. And it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, it was really, it was very, um, exciting I feel like all my senses were stimulated it was just like a lot um but yeah it was fun what about you that is very exciting um we didn't do too much uh this past weekend um we went to a friend's house on Saturday and sat outside in their backyard so uh social distance hang um but mostly we just kind of hung around the house and uh lived our life normally we've been taking a lot of walks lately the weather is getting super nice here I went to the farmer's market I almost had an egg related mishap um (laughs) because like at the farmer's market that's near our house like um I like walk down and I just like I just like it like I'm like it's Saturday morning gonna go to the farmer's market get something good like make some dinner with it whatever and uh we needed eggs. So I was like, Oh, I'll get eggs for the farmer's market. And then I bought it from these two people there. They're like a couple. They're like probably in their eighties or something. And they're like super gruff. Like you're like, <laughs> do you have any eggs? And they're like, yeah. Like, do you want any? You're like, yeah. Okay. So, um, they reuse the egg cartons like over and over again for like environmental purposes, which is great. And I'm glad they do that. But at some point, like an egg carton has lived its life and it's like no longer an egg carton, but rather just like a paper sack for eggs. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so they gave me my eggs in this carton. But of course, I had walked there and I had to walk back. And it's not a far walk, but it's like, you know, 15 minutes and it's like a little bit hilly and whatever. And I like realized at some point that like all of my eggs had like evacuated the carton and the carton was just like a floppy cardboard that like wasn't holding anything. So I had to like, like carry eggs in my arms like a baby like back home to my oh house oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> but wow. they all arrived at the house unbroken I was shocked because it is not in my nature to like be delicate with things like that and um <laughs> I was shocked that they all got to the house uh intact but I was like they really need to do something about this yeah that issue not ideal but I'm very proud of you you made it home with eggs I know I literally was carrying like like it looked like a baby like carrying all these eggs in like our in like a you know canvas bag or whatever like tied up like it was a baby and just like walking slowly <laughs> with it <laughs> that would have been amazing to see <laughs> yeah it was kind of weird but um but anyway they're all and I and I had two of the eggs this morning for breakfast and they were delish yum well I do love yeah. farmer's market eggs for sure so they're good probably worth they it if not a little they absurd <laughs> no they were they're definitely like even if it's just in my own mind I feel that they are better yeah I like the ones that um if you get for a really really good local farm that's like very small um meaning well maybe not small but meaning that the, the chickens have like a ton of space like yeah. when you get those orangey eggs like the where the yeah. yolk is so orange yes, yes. oh my gosh it just makes me so happy mm -hmm. i know they're what the you're best. saying they're the best 100 i completely agree with you yeah. yeah these were these were like pretty much like this although i have seen yellower eggs maybe if they weren't the chickens weren't raised by such gruff people <laughs> maybe <laughs> be nice to your chickens yes maybe it would be better um <laughs> But yes, okay, so um, that is enough of me talking about eggs. What I would like <laughs> to hear about is office housework and um, how this relates to gender. So who's who's carrying the eggs around the office, Patricia? <laughs> <laughs> carrying those eggs so gingerly, it's probably going to be a woman. <laughs> I knew well, it. Let's be real. <laughs> Amazing. Beautiful transition there. Um, <laughs> so this article, um, let's start with who wrote it. So it's by Jang, Allen, and Regina, and it was published this year. It's actually like an online first publication, so meaning it's technically not even like in the journal yet, if that makes sense. It's like hmm. so new, so, so new, new, new. Um, awesome. And it is in the Journal of Business and Psychology, and it is called Office Housework, Burnout, and Promotion. Does Gender Matter? Dun, dun, dun. Does Gender Matter? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and it does. it does. Yes, it does. So first, let's talk about what office housework means. So they're defining it as uh, menial administrative tasks that keep an office running. Um, so it's not related to your job. But sometimes people would see these types of tasks as less important, somewhat trivial. Um, and examples include things like I mentioned before, organizing office parties, bringing food in for others, taking notes during meetings. Um, so those types of activities. And it's interesting because this paper was talking about how popular this topic has been in popular press, right? So mm -hmm. like 
I mean, lean in. Like they talk about um, some of these things in the in the paper, like something like lean in, like Sheryl Sandberg's book um, that talks about these types of things and what people do and how they behave in the workplace in terms of these housekeeping type items. And there hasn't been a lot of research, though, in this space. So that was really interesting to me because yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, and they're distinguishing it from a concept that we've talked about before called organizational citizenship behavior, um, where this is more about the specific housework things versus um, that citizenship behavior is like helping coworkers going above and beyond, um, but less about these kind of, le- you know, somewhat in quotes, unimportant tasks. So it's a different thing. It's a different beast. And this is, at least they claim to be, the first real study to look at this from a yeah. academic perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And that sounds really great because I would imagine, and I think, you know, just based on personal experiences, and I don't know if you have personal experiences with this, but based on some personal experiences, I would imagine that these tasks can actually take up a decent amount of time once you add them all up, which is uh, sort of interesting to think about because- Um, I think a lot of times with things like just like housework at home, you know, oh, here and there, you know, you pick up after somebody, you do the dishes, you load the dishwasher, you, you know, um, take some time to sweep up or wipe down the counter or whatever. Like each individual action doesn't seem like it takes that much time. But then when you add it up, it can maybe have a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Over time, these things definitely add up. Um, And so what the study did is it did two things. The first part of the study was it really just defined what office housework was and they created a scale so you can measure it and what came out were actually two different dimensions or two different parts of office housework so Mm. there's one that they called social maintenance and the types of questions that are asked for social maintenance are kind of the things i already talked about so organizing office parties and gatherings um covering office phone calls for others bringing in food for others to the office cleaning up communal spaces, making copies for meetings, um, buying cards for coworkers to sign for celebrations or condolences, things like that. Mm -hmm. Then there's, then there's object maintenance. So this is, there's three questions that came out to be kind of important here. And it's, I fix broken office machines, furniture or electrical equipment. Hmm. Then I move heavy or large objects for the office I set up new office machines, furniture, or electrical equipment. So this would be like if your company just got a new printer and, uh, yeah, there's going to be somebody that will install it, right? Usually that comes mm-hmm. with the, the package. But then this these types of behaviors would be like, oh, there's a jam. I'm going to go in. I'm going to try to fix it, figure out what's going on without gotcha. having to call maintenance, right? Things like that. Um, okay. Maybe. So, and, But do they mostly have to do with like broken... Like, so it sounds like it mostly has to do with, like, something in the office is broken, like, physical. Yes. Yep. Okay. It's, like, moving things. So, like, if you were to reconfigure um, maybe a conference room or something, you might be doing mm-hmm. those types of things. So, it really has to do with, like, m- physical labor in a way. I'll be really curious to hear how that shakes out with regard to gender because in the home, women do a lot more of the social tasks that you mentioned Um at first, like, you know, keeping track of people's birthdays and buying gifts and things like that. But things to do with like the physical house, like repairs and fixes and, um, you know, 
hanging curtains and things like that men tend to do more of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be curious to hear what the results are because um, it it's kind of an interesting gray area. Like if I think about my workplaces that I've been in the past, like a paper jam, I see a lot of women trying to fix that. But like if like a piece of furniture is broken, I don't know who would fix that. So yeah. that's I'll be curious about that. Well, you kind of guessed it. Uh, So (laughs) when you look at housework overall, office housework overall, women generally do more of it. But if you split it up like this, women are going to do more of the social maintenance and men are going to do more of the object maintenance. So men are more likely to be the ones that are asked or volunteered to do these kinds of more physical labor type things. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it does kind of split out a little bit that way. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it follows stereotypes gotcha. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like you would expect it to. Um, so you were right. You definitely called that one. Um, but the second part of the study, so they figured out what is office housework, what does it mean, what are those two different areas, and then they surveyed people and were looking to see, okay, so how does office housework impact burnout and promotion? Mm-hmm. So interestingly, when you look at burnout, there wasn't an effect at all. So office housework did not relate to burnout, which Hmm. you would think it feels counterintuitive. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with future research because, you know, obviously this is a first study. So maybe we're thinking there's more burnout associated with this stuff and that's not going to play out over time in the research. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something, you know, happening here that is counterintuitive. Maybe it's different type of stress. I don't know. But there was no relationship to burnout. um, So doing these types of tasks don't cause overload don't cause people to feel overly stressed etc yeah but there was a relationship to promotion hmm so and this is where (laughs) everybody can get a little sad especially as women so basically if I do more office housework as a man I'm more likely to be promoted than a Mm. woman So, and specifically, it really relates to that social maintenance. So the object maintenance piece has nothing to do with promotions. There's no relationship there. But with social maintenance, so if a man is buying cards for coworkers, if a man is making copies for meetings or taking notes in a meeting, they're more likely to be promoted. Um, Mm. But women, it's almost like an expectation, I guess, because it's not not coming out. It doesn't impact promotion at all. Hmm, that's interesting. So it doesn't hold you back, but it doesn't help you. Whereas for men, it gives them an edge. Exactly. Yep. Hmm. That's really interesting. So maybe the way to solve this problem is that men should just do all of these behaviors (laughs) and let women find another set of behaviors they can engage in that makes them more promotable. (laughs) I mean, kind of, right? (laughs) Yeah. So take... Uh, men just step up, take all of this away from yeah. the, the women in the office yeah. and women can figure out what else they need yeah, to do to get makes promoted. Us promotable. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's interesting though. Uh, and, and there is some stuff um, in the research on like a glass um, escalator uh, versus a glass ceiling. So they talk about how like 
in male dominated industries in particular, women hit a glass ceiling, but men get get what's called a glass escalator, which is like the more a stereotypically they behave, the more they're rewarded. So like um, a male nurse, for example, uh, while they may face societal stigma for being a male nurse amongst nurses, they are viewed more positively than female nurses, whereas for women they may face both societal stigma for example for being like in construction and they would face stigma from their colleagues as they try to rise up the ranks Mm. so it kind of makes some sense that these counter normative behaviors for men have a positive impact whereas for women um they have a neutral impact because they're seen as in role behaviors basically yeah yeah that makes sense it's like ooh, this male nurse like look at how caring he is what a nice right. what a nice man like oh we never see men like this and then if you're in construction as a woman it's like you can't do this you can't lift things like you just automatically right. go into instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt like that seems to be happening in the nursing example right um, right there's yep. yeah this harshness Ugh. well anyways it's kind of depressing but I thought it was really interesting I specifically thought for our purposes the burnout piece was yeah also really interesting um because I am curious to see like what that might look like in the future with different research uh if there's other stress involved or if it actually isn't a harmful thing at all and that's great that'd be great if it's not how how far down the line was their burnout measure so like when did they measure it with regard to when they measured office housework? It was only like, I want to say on average, maybe 10 days, a couple weeks after. Okay. Yeah. Cause it could be that there's also long-term impacts like compounding impacts. Cause a lot of times with stuff related to um, like physical or um, emotional health, um, there are uh, sometimes depending upon how severe the situation is, or how ongoing it is, or how frequently you engage in the behavior, it doesn't catch up to you until down the line. So I would be curious also to see if there's like a lagged effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And, you know, it also can, I mean, you know, burnout is impacted by so many different things too. So it yeah. might be that maybe some of these people were just in pretty good environments, so it didn't matter. Or right. alternatively, everyone's already burnt out so this doesn't make it worse right Uh, right so I think there's a lot of other things going on it'd be interesting down the road for researchers to really like take a look at this while controlling for other factors that might be impacting burnout um yeah anyways I think it's a really great start though I think it's an important topic and I think because there's been so much research done um or not research so many publications in terms of popular press talking about Mm -hmm. this I think it's critical that we're finally actually talking about it in the research like yeah this is a perfect example of where the research needs to catch up with what people are talking about in the yeah totally work world yeah and I think also something kind of interesting to come out of this from the findings is like I think a big downside of women being socialized to be caregivers and people that um, you know, put other people's needs first, like we're kind of taught that that's what you should do, is that even if it's not 
upsetting you or making you feel tired or burnout or whatever, it can still be having negative impacts on the way that people perceive you. So I think sometimes women like judge whether or not they should participate in something based on whether or not it's going to have like an extreme negative impact on them. Like I won't do that if it's really going to, if it's really going to bother me or it's really going to disrupt my day or it's making me really upset, then I won't do it. But otherwise I'm happy to help. And I think that like, it's really important to recognize that it's not just about like, can you handle this? But it's also about like, who's watching what you're doing and what are the implications for these behaviors on your career? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's just something important to think about because I think we're sort of socialized as women to help others as long as it's not like an extenuating circumstance to like you're not so put out by the other person that it's having like really bad impacts on you. But it's not really in in at work there are broader considerations because it's not just oh is this like are you finding this super burdensome? It's also you know what is this doing to your career trajectory and and you know, trying to think about when you say yes or no to people depending upon that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think there's, if there's no benefit to doing it, it's maybe not important to do it. I mean, sometimes you want to do it and that's fine. If you want to organize a party, if you want to get the card for your favorite coworker or whatever, but don't feel obligated to do it is kind of the message. I think it's not going to help you. Um, But again, I think there's also the interesting component of the fact that this is relatively under researched that I wonder if not doing it, I don't know. I wonder what the impact of not doing it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, and you know, that's a really good research question of, is this just something that women think that they need to do or is it actually something they're expected to do what happens if you say no um so turning it down what's the perception of turning it down um so and I think you know like we talked about before if you go through your day and account for all the time that you spend doing these things that are not essential for your job but um you know are geared in this direction you could end up spending a lot of time like I know in conversations with colleagues in academe talking to folks that um you know interactions with students and students come to me all the time with questions about career advice and can you help me with this problem that I'm having etc I'm like of course I'm I'm usually happy to help right but I notice that male colleagues don't get asked to spend time with students in that same way or letters of recommendation or like you know things like Mm -hmm. that where um it's really nice to be giving with your time and to, you know, students are expecting that people are gonna, you know, help them out. But you can also say, you know, I actually don't have time. Here are some colleagues I recommend and recommend some of your male colleagues to do it, you know? Um, and, and oftentimes they're not thinking to ask them because they're afraid they'll say no, or they've had experiences where they have said no, or they see them differently and less approachable than mm-hmm. they see you. But like, it is an issue because, All that stuff can take up a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely an issue. And I'm like thinking back on my own career and places where I've probably spent more time in areas that were not part of my job. Um, Some, in some cases, they were good. I think they helped me grow my career. And in other cases, I think I wasted a lot of time doing Mm -hmm. things that I know the team liked or appreciated, but wasn't really something that had a an impact for me long-term and probably hurt my 
well-being in the sense that I was spending more time doing work stuff because I had to account for the additional time that I was spending doing these kind of housework type activities, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I got really good advice like several years ago from somebody who was like, look, it's fine to take on new things. But every time you take on a new thing or every time someone asks you, like, do you want to be on this committee or like, you know, um, help with planning, whatever, like things that are tangential to your required job duties. Think like, OK, I'll, I can take this on, but I have to cut something else out. And if it's your manager that's asking you to do something like, oh, you know, could you please organize all of our meetings for X or could you please be the person that takes the notes all the time or whatever the case may be? If it's your manager that's asking you, you can say, I, you know, I I would love to do that. Here's what I currently have on my plate. What do you think would be good for me to take off my plate to replace with this? So like try to get the person to think about what other things you're doing so that they realize that your time is not infinite. And also it might help them to think about like, oh, this person does have a lot on their plate and I'm asking them. And this other person I'm managing doesn't have as much on their plate. Maybe I should ask them instead. Or it might force them to ask somebody else because you've highlighted that you truly don't have time. So I thought that that was good advice because sometimes when people are asking you to help with things, they're not even thinking about they're asking you to help because they want to get it off their plate and they're not thinking about what you have on your plate and you feel obligated to say yes, but like you actually don't have to say yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that a lot. I think that ties into one of the specific takeaways that the article actually mentioned was about leaders needing to be aware of unequal workload. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are having more stuff put on you, these types of tasks, then speak up and use Katina's tactic of saying, what can you take off your plate to address that need and see if you can like at least bring attention to the unequal workload if your leader is not doing it. And if you are a leader, to your point, really pay attention and make sure you have a good pulse on everybody's workload. So you're trying to evenly distribute what's going on and the type of work so that not, not one person is overburdened, um, especially with tasks that are not relevant to career growth. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I know we both had, uh, Rick Jacobs was one of our professors at Penn state and he used to always say, you know, I, I think people give, tasks or delegate duties to busy people because busy people are people who get things done fast because they have no other choice but to get things done rapidly but then the problem is if you're a person who's getting done your work tasks and people are asking you to do a bunch of other tasks you can end up being the person that's doing everything for everyone and then there's a lot of other people on your team who aren't doing much so um so I think that's a really good point about you know you can push back on that as an employee but you might not always feel comfortable as a manager you should be thinking about like okay, I know that this person will probably get it done, but I've asked them to do X, Y, and Z, and I haven't asked anyone else to do any of these things. Like, maybe I need to branch out and start being, you know, rotating a little bit more who I'm asking to help with things. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, if you don't 100% have a good sense, like, maybe I'm just thinking about, like, my team, like, my leader and our team and how independent a lot of our work is, like, and that's fine. That's some the nature of our job because we're client facing. So a lot of things that we're doing with clients, you know, I can update him from time to time, but it's not 100% clear like how many mm-hmm. things I'm doing for clients at all times. So I think it's okay as a leader too, if you don't have a perfect idea as to which person's plate is the lightest, think about asking for volunteers, you know, 
asking directly saying do you have the capacity to take this on or should I find somebody else like what is your interest level like just communicate I feel like everything always wraps up into communication at some point yeah but I think that's really important because maybe you know depending on what the task is I mean we're talking about office housework so it's probably gonna be not as important but you know if there's another task that might be important that you think somebody would be good for but you're not sure of their workload like give them the opportunity to either say no to ask to pass something else on to get that done like you can have those conversations if there's somebody in particular that you have in mind for something um but just make sure you're being clear and talking about the workload and trying to be even um and distributing all of it and when it comes to the housework stuff i think it's probably fairest to just cycle through you know who does what each time yeah completely agree set up a setup uh system that everybody views as fair and agree on it together and also make it clear when you ask someone that you're not going to be upset with them or frustrated with them if they say no because they're overwhelmed with too many things like I think that's the other thing is that like sometimes people feel like they can't say no and so being explicit of like you know I'm asking you but I'm not telling you like if you're overwhelmed with things to do and you don't have time right now I can find somebody else so like making it making it easy for people to be honest with you about what their capacity is I think also is helpful. Yeah that's a really good point that is definitely appreciated from employees perspective to hear someone say there's this thing I'd like you to do but if you can't say no if you can't then please say no. Right. Um, yep. I think that's helpful for sure. Me too. Yeah. Well, this is really useful. And I think, you know, just being aware that office housework is a thing, that it's something that people, uh, you know, do differentially depending upon gender. And it's something that people are rewarded for differentially depending on, upon gender. And that it's something that may not be on your radar if you're a person that's doing it because you might not be feeling the negative implications of doing it, but it may have negative implications for you down the line. I think this is really important for people to know about whether they're managing people and they want to decrease the extent to which they expect people to do these things. Or if you are a person that's been doing these things or asking your coworkers to do these things and thinking about like, what are the long-term implications of that? It's not a inconsequential thing. Yeah. I actually just remembered as you were talking, um, in my first workplace ever, when I first started consulting, we had like a chore list, which <laughs> sounds funny, huh. but we were a small company. Um, and basically the chore list is cleaning the kitchen. That's all it was. It's like, you know, people leave their mugs and dishes and whatever. So it's like yeah. loading the dishwasher, running it in the morning, unloading the dishwasher. And every month, a different team would be in charge of it. So it would hmm. be like, you know, there were different managing consultants and each of their teams would be assigned a month. So it'd be like, if you were on my team, you know, you'd have October and then the next month would go to somebody else. And we would split it up such that, you know, we would just kind of organize within the team. Like, all right, so this week I'm happy to unload the dishwasher in the morning because I tend to get here early and the next person, the next, you know, the next week we'll take it over and, you know, somebody else will load the dishwasher for a week. And so we split it up amongst the team in a way that, we did those little tasks and we had like a, literally it was like a chore sheet. Like you knew what team was in charge of it that week and everybody just did their thing for that. Well, I guess it was awesome. a month. And so I thought that was kind of nice and yeah. it definitely split it up evenly by gender because everyone had to do it at some point. Yeah. And it also makes sure like, and it just makes so much more sense, right? Instead of just seeing like 
oh, well, who does it fall to? Like, no, like we have systems and processes for other things. Like, why not for this? Something that needs to get done. We don't want it to be unfairly distributed. Like, let's just come up with a system and do it. Yeah. And it was all levels, too. Like, our president would be unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> like, oh, that's fun. It wasn't, it wasn't like specific to certain roles, certain business units anything like that it's just everybody used that one kitchen and i'm sure in larger companies it'd probably be some you could probably do something around location right like there's probably different break rooms and different floors and things so you could do it based on location so like one wing of the hall does it this week and the next wing does it next week or whatever but i think there's ways to manage it in a cool and efficient way yeah i mean i think that's a great idea and process is good to make sure that things don't go awry and that's awesome yeah Well, I'm glad I got to read this article and share it with you. I'm very excited to see what future research comes in this area. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited as well. Well, for everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed the topic and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your experiences. Have you been charged with lots of office housework or maybe you haven't picked up your fair share? (laughs) Love to hear your thoughts and your stories. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at workerbeing. And you can always find us on our website, workerbeing.com. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh,